the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlanc, and I'm your host. And we're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And yeah, you recognize him. You see him. You love this guy, Captain Brett Bartlett. He's uh, retired from the Tampa Bay area in Florida. So thanks for being on the uh, on the show, Captain. Appreciate it. You know, I love to have somebody with like 32 years, you know, active law enforcement experience, you know. So you, uh, you're a survivor. Also, a shout out to our sponsors. We have GullsAUFire.com, GunLearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, and uh, we also have Medi- uh, MyMedicare.live. And also a shout out to Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFP.com. Thanks for carrying our content, Brian. And also Ray Dietrich with RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming to eight locations right now, in addition to all the radio stations that we're on. And three of those streams belong to Red Voice Media. Those three Facebook pages alone have about one million followers. So thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Now, just to whet the appetite of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, the first one is this newly released DOJ, DOJ report on law enforcement response to Uvalde shooting. It finds cascading failures. Wow. And we're also going to talk about a lawsuit against the Parkland School deputy. Yeah, yeah, you remember that guy, right? Uh, you know, and that is uh, what Scott Peterson and it's over the 2018 massacre, and it says that it can go to trial, according to the judge. And also, uh, the Mesa body cam shows a suspect pointing a cordless drill that's under a blanket uh, at the cops, at the popo. But it doesn't go so well, Captain Brett, because they thought it was a gun, which is what he wanted them to think. He got shot, he got tased, and he got beanbagged all within, like, one second. Uh, we've also got a canine tracking down a burglar. And, uh, well, that's, that's, a, that's another story. Ex-California deputy convicted of staging an on-duty shooting of himself. We didn't have time to get to that yesterday. And, and a bunch of other stuff. We also have, someone sent me this this morning, a law would require students dressed as furries, cats, to be removed by animal control. Yeah, that's a very interesting story that we're going to have to cover as well. Um, so anyhow, we got a, uh, we got a great lineup. So guys, stick with us and let's go ahead and, and, and dive into this. Hey, I think, Brett, you want to do a... Um, a $50 goals gift card giveaway today. Yeah, if you're not going to give it to me, give it to one of our loyal listeners, but Wait, give, it, give it to me. So, then, so there's a couple ways we can do this. So let's do this. So I found out we use StreamYard as, uh, you know, when we do the stream and stuff. So StreamYard's great. It lets you stream the eight locations. and uh, But, you know, not, not all the streams. Like if you're on Twitter, we cannot see what you post. And the same is true, unbelievably, of Rumble. I found that out. Um, you know, by accident, we had people trying to enter the contest and we couldn't see them. And so the, uh, the software that we use to grab the people that post something, um, you know, doesn't work when we do a contest and I ask them to type in the word goal. So we're going to do a radio call and is what we're going to do for this one. So whether you're watching it on the stream or, you know, whether you're, um, listen to us on radio, uh, I'm going to go ahead and have everybody that wants to enter the contest. You're going to call the bottom of the hour. So right now, uh, we just started the show. So. It's a one-hour show, so at the 30-minute mark. So really in about less than 20 minutes, we're going to run this contest. So I've actually got the contest call line on the screen for people that are watching the show live. Write that number down because when I tell you the call in, it'll be time. And during that four-minute commercial break, producer Jimmy's going to have time to answer the phone and to uh, get the winner. But for our radio listeners, uh, you know, copy this number down. It's the Boss Hog Radio Contest Line, 863-225-2000. Again, area code 863-225-2000. Don't call yet. Go ahead and wait until we uh, start that contest. We've got less than 20 minutes. I will let you know when it's time. So look, uh, jumping into this, we've got a main story. 
The first one I mentioned is on Police One DOJ report on the law on the law enforcement response to Uvalde shooting that finds cascading failure. So are you trying to get my attention, Jimmy? I can't hear what you're saying, but okay. I was grabbing guys, the price. Uvalde, Texas. Police officials who resp- sorry about that interruption, guys. Police officials who responded to the deadly shooting in Uvalde, Texas, they demonstrated no urgency in setting up a command post and they failed to treat the killings as an active shooter situation, according to the Justice Department. And uh, they released a report on Thursday. It identifies cascading failures in law enforcement's handling of one of the deadliest massacres at a school in American history. Now, the Fed just came out with this, but we pretty much already know what's going on. So it's just the federal version of what we found out, you know, via the state investigation. The Justice Department report, um, the most comprehensive federal accounting of the haphazard police response to the shooting at Robb Elementary School. It identifies a bunch of problems from the failed communication and the leadership to inadequate technology and training that federal officials say contributed to the crisis that lasted far longer than it should have, even as terrified students inside the classroom called 911 and agonized parents begged officers to go in. Now, here's a a quote from Attorney General Mark Garland. You know what? Merrick Merrick Garland, I don't care what Merrick Garland says. No one's got respect for Merrick Garland anymore, and it doesn't really matter. He's just a political puppet right now. But as a consequence of failed leadership training and policies, 33 students and three of their teachers, many of whom had been shot, were trapped in a room with an active shooter for for over an hour as law enforcement officials remained outside. So even for a mass shooting that's already been the subject of intense scrutiny and in-depth invest- examinations, the nearly 600-page Justice Department report, which I believe Captain Bartlett read, it adds to the public understanding of how police in Uvalde failed to stop an attack that killed 19 children and two staff members. Now, it, it you know this this story, and I don't want to get too bogged down, it, but it talks about how the police officers arrived within three minutes of the bad guys' arrival at the school. They ran towards the classroom, but when they approached the bad guy, fires at them from the classroom two officers were hit but it was by shrapnel and police decided to retreat and to take cover now they changed it from an active shooter situation which is what it was and what it should have remained as to a barricaded subject the only problem is is that the barricaded subject who's our active shooter is in a classroom with a bunch of people a bunch of victims and the cops are doing nothing to prevent him from taking them out which is exactly what happened so in the 20 months since the justice department announced that it was going to review this thing footage showing police waiting in the hallway outside the fourth grade classrooms where the government opened fire it's become the target of national ridicule and um, look there's so much other information that we'll have you know under the link in the story but i mean that that's that's just that's enough captain bartlett your uh, your thoughts on this uh, on this release of this thing I encourage everybody to Google DOJ report, Uvalde, U-V-A-L-D-E, read the report, 600 pages. Now, having said read the report, read the first five or six pages, read the executive summary, which is for the, is designed for us with a little attention span and also for uh, police leaders who don't want to read anything. And and you'll get it, you'll get the gist of what happened. Uh, it, It was horrible, but you know, here's what I take away. There was a lack of leadership and a lack of moral character. Now, I don't say that lightly, but I promise you this. If if I'm in a school and there's a bad guy down the hallway locked in a room killing kids, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to put it on the line. Sometimes you got to step out and you've got to go do what people expect you to do. You have to lay yourself on the line and go deal with the problem. That's what we all signed up to do was go stop the bad guy. And I was, I was reading the report. I was getting more upset and madder and madder at this. But 
Uh, and, and there was one thing, it, the uh, chief Arredonde, he was uh, the local chief, and it said he discarded his radio. I'm dying to find out what that meant. When he got in there, he discarded his radio and he was doing his, his whatever command he was doing through words and through cell phone. He discarded his radio. He did not set up, and this was another criticism. There was no line of command. There was no command center. Here's what should have happened. Someone in that hallway should have yelled out, I'm in charge. And unless somebody says, no, I am, I'm higher. Whoever says that, they're in charge. They need to get it together. Uh, this, is a, this is a brutal lesson for police leadership. It's a brutal lesson for police training. And, and it's just it's just shameful that all these kids had to die because somebody didn't go back down that hallway and put themselves on the line to stop this. You know, the article says that over the course of more of uh, 70 minutes that a bunch of officers went in and out of the school, weapons drawn, but they did not go inside that classroom where the shooting was happening. The 376 officers at the scene included state police, Uvalde police, school officers and, of course, Border Patrol agents. And. Um, it also goes on to say the delayed response countered active shooter training that emphasizes confronting the gunmen, which is standard. I mean, that happened, what, two decades ago when we had the Columbine High School um, shooting. And, and so they weren't, they weren't doing what their training should have been telling them to do. It says at least five officers lost their jobs, including two Department of Public Safety officers and Uvalde's uh, school police chief, Pete Arenando. Um, he was also the on-site commander like you just touched on, Brett. Um, Wow. I, you know, I'm getting contacted by people that want me to look, I, I mean, we're weighing in on this in the show and stuff, but they want me to like agree. You know, they're, they're bringing up points that they want to, that they want to argue. And it's like, guys, if people, it's almost like people have not been watching our show or heard us cover this when it initially came out. And when this initially came out, um, we did a show within days of this and there was question marks of whether the cops did the right thing, the, you know, the wrong thing. We just didn't have the information that we have today. So um, I know that we did a story. We posted it as a question: Were the cops heroes, or were they, or were they cowards on this? And now we've, you know, we found out. You know, but we, you, you really don't know when this thing goes down, and you're getting mixed reviews about, you know, you know what happened, you know, and that, you know, guys storm in the classroom, and all this stuff, stuff that didn't happen. You know, you're getting information that was inaccurate. So, um, well, so yeah, yeah, now we know. Here's the thing: all those cops walking around there, shots are being fired, kids are dying, and everybody knows this. What I'm imagining is, at least hopefully, somebody wanted to go down that hallway and they were stopped from going down the hallway. That, that's, I think that's what happened. But here's what I say. What are you going to do? Write me up? What are you going to do? You're going to take my be, badge? You're going to take my badge? You're going to give me some days off? What are you going to do? You're going to stamp my meal card? No dessert? What are you going to do? Come on, Chip. Let's go down the hall. Let's, let's take care of business. We're going to put it on the line. You know, I've gotten a write-up that I wore as a badge of honor, and that would be one of those, you know, you would wear that as a badge of honor. I totally agree. I want to talk about the training component when we come back from commercial break, Brett, and about, you know, like what you're saying, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Uh, but look, it's time for our first commercial break, guys. We're talking about Gauls. Brett's going to help me out on this. We'll be right back. All right, well, certainly by now you guys have heard about the new Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as Captain Brett Bartlett always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So, Captain Bartlett, what's going on at Gauls this week? 
Well, I'm looking at the site right now. They've got 20% off exclusive public safety brands, Dynamed, Duty Pro, Galls, and Law Pro Band. That's their, uh, that's their house brands, all very, very good quality stuff. And 20% off Vertex, V-E-R-T-X, also a great line of uh, clothing and equipment. Right. And, you know, Brett, they also have stuff for firefighters or military as well, right? Not just cops, right? So yep, they got it. Yeah, their brand, their Lion brand, L-I-O-N, is the brand for the uh, hose draggers. That's right. So our hose drag and firefighter buddies. So uh, family, friends, and loved ones, you know, that are firefighters, law enforcement, military, go to goals.com slash Leo and hook them up. Don't wait. Do it today. Goals.com slash Leo. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Studios in Plant City, Florida. We have not had that calling contest yet, but we will at the next commercial break, which is going to be in exactly seven minutes and 22 seconds. So we will let you know when that happens. So, and I got the number on the screen. And again, in case you haven't written it down yet, and this is for streamers and everybody, you're going to have to call in to win this $50 gift card. Area code 863-225-2000. Don't call yet. We'll tell you when, which will be in almost exactly seven minutes. So, Brett, talking about um, this Uvalde, you know, shooting. Um, yeah, we've been training for two decades on how to handle active shooters and stuff. Um, all training. I mean, look, Brett, you're a trainer. I was a trainer for decades. All training is not the same. And, and, and the students are not all the same. So, you know, how do we explain this? Is it the quality? Is it a combination of things? Is it the quality of the comps that we're hiring? I mean, I know that these were not all SROs. I know because normally you would go there, um, but I know that supervision takes a uh, takes a large role in this too. And then, you know, one of the stop guys, they want to have control of the situation. So what do you think? You know, uh, decades ago, when we had that horrible, uh, that horrible mass shooting out West that changed the paradigm. The National Tactical Officers Association came out with training and it was a standard for, for decades. And it's basically this. Uh, an active shooter is different from a barricaded subject. If you have an activated, an active shooter, and I'm paraphrasing here, step over the wounded, step over the dead, go and deal with the threat. Okay, just go in there, just go take care of business. I don't know what happened here was maybe somebody thought, well, while we have by textbook, we have a barricaded subject. He's behind a locked door. That must be a barricaded subject. But in reality, it was still an active shooter event. So what is the bigger issue? If it's a barricaded subject by himself, we got plenty of time. If it's an active shooter, we don't have any time, whether the door is locked or not. Nothing really changed, but there was nobody there that would make that call. There was no clear-cut line of communication or command. So I have somebody that sent me an email um, repeatedly saying there's got to be accountability. There's got to be accountability. Now, I know that we've got people that have lost their jobs. Not has That had nothing to do with the DOJ's report. That just got released. They took care of this action way before this DOJ report came out because they identified certain problems. So there have been guys that have lost their jobs, including the uh, the chief that's taken a lot of flack, for, and rightfully so, for what happened. So the people that are saying there needs to be more accountability than what, than what we've already had, what's your response to that? Well, if we don't use this incident to 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 make things better, we've these lives are for they they were they died in vain. Every event can be looked at from a training perspective up to a point, but if it's not training, then were regulations violated? Was there a lack of a, a was was there a moral a morality problem? But you always start with training. Somewhere, somebody, and you know, I've told you this before, somebody needs to dig into the training records of these officers and find out what they were taught, 
how they were taught, and more importantly, how do we know that they learned what was taught? That's true. Because if, 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 the these, if these officers, if they're attacked uh, uh, civilly or criminally, man, the first thing I'd do if I was them, I'd go scream to my attorney, look, I never learned this. I was never tested on this. How, how can the department prove I learned it? Well, he sat in the class like everybody else. That proves nothing. Sitting in the class, listening to the instructor proves absolutely nothing. There has to be some testing instrument to show that these officers knew that this was not a barricaded subject incident. It was an active shooter incident. That's the first place I would go. Okay. All right. Excellent. Hey, and you're right. I, I do see a huge training component of this, but Brett, you're so right. Um, without a testing component, how do you really know how much your guys learn, how much they retain, and then they have refreshers on it? Now, look, this is related, not directly to Uvalde, but it's Parkland. On Police One, we have a lawsuit involving Scott Peterson. You know, look, I'm no fan. Every every good cop is not a fan of Scott Peterson, the coward from Parkland, okay? Lawsuit against Parkland School uh, deputy, who was also the school resource officer, over a 2018 massacre, can go to trial, according to the judge. So this is what a ruling from a judge. This is in Fort Lauderdale. Lawsuit followed by the families of the 17 people that were killed and other victims of the Parkland, Florida school massacre against the former sheriff's deputy who failed to intervene can go forward. According to the judge, he rejected a motion to dismiss the case before trial. So the judge's name is Carol Lisa Phillips. So in a ruling posted on Wednesday, she said that a jury could decide whether fired Broward County Deputy Scott Peterson displayed a, quote, wanton and willful disregard, unquote, for the students and teachers' safety when he failed to confront the shooter during the six-month or six-minute attack inside a classroom inside the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Now, remember, part of his defense through his attorney has been like, I had no duty to protect. So it's almost like, dude, pick the defense you want to use and stick with it. But Deputy Peterson has insisted that he did not know where the shots were coming from. So he changed the argument again. And he maintains that he did not have a duty to protect, you know, like I said earlier. And he was acquitted last year of criminal charges, but the level of proof required in a lawsuit is significantly lower. So the families who have accused Peterson of cowardice are seeking an unspecified amount from Deputy Peterson and the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Remember, it costs Sheriff Scott Israel his job. And uh, they did not argue, the Sheriff's Office did not argue for dismissal. Phillips hopes to begin the trial sometime this year. What do you think, Captain? This this worries me. Not, and I'm not worried about Scott Peter. I'm worried about, what is going to be the bar? What is it going to be the standard for the next civil suit? Pandora's um, box. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, this this could open it wide open, and this could ruin. I mean, uh, taking away the, our our our, uh, our our defense, and, and then putting us in a situation where somebody is killed because something we didn't or do. Maybe we didn't do it right. Maybe we did it wrong. What where's going to be that level? I I, I and where can you take a moral failing? and put that into legal words and into a lawsuit. I don't know. I haven't read the lawsuit. I'm, I'm really anxious to find out what their complaint is, but I, I don't know. I, I think he, I think he's a, a coward. I think he got what he deserved, but I don't know where the civil suit is going to take us down. If he's found guilty, has that set a precedence for the next one? You know, what, what are the guy doing? I see this one going way up high. I see it going to the Florida Supreme court, maybe the U S Supreme court. But you know, decades ago, decades ago, in, in the in the Cap, DC appellate, hold that, hold that thought. Oh. It's time for our contest. So, guys, start calling in 863-225-2000. Again, area code 863-225-2000. We're taking caller number five.
863-225-2000. Start calling in a $50 Golf's gift card giveaway. 863-225-2000. We'll see you guys after the break. All right, guys. Yes, it is time again. And we're going to be talking about, you know, our latest sponsor. So hold on to your seats, guys. And, hey, it's Blue the Gold at bluethegold.com. And if you're struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures or the liability, say hello to blowthegold.com. And it's all about search and seizure doctrines, and they make it clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to, and they give the training for free thanks to bluethegold.com's free weekly webinars. They're getting ready to talk about reasonable suspicion, a deep dive. Sign up at bluethegold.com today. Join thousands of your peers in blue because, frankly, you cannot afford not to step up your legal game. And also, hey, let's talk about you know, our aufire.com. It's accuracy under fire at aufire.com. It's a gold standard tackle simulation. And the, for the first time ever, agencies and Leos can safely simulate being hit by gunfire, knives, and other objects in their dy- dynamic force on force scenarios. So if you've ever wondered how you can train in real world situations, now you can go to aufire.com, watch these cool videos, learn about this amazing product, aufire.com. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're still live from the Boss Hog Studios in Plant City, Florida. Uh, we have a winner, guys, for the goals, uh, the free $50 goals gift card. So uh, Jimmy and this guy were like, you know, I was going to get you guys a room, Jimmy. You guys were hitting it off pretty good. This guy's all the way from Texas, you know. But uh, Rodney Rowe, Rodney Rowe, I have your email address. Um, if you're watching, I think that you're watching the show from YouTube. Just to play it safe, you may want to just type that in just to make sure I've got it right. Uh, your email address that is, because I'm going to email you that card um, as soon as we're done with the show. So congratulations, Rodney, $50 goals gift card. Hey, uh, Brett, did you see uh, Milt Deschler's uh, name on the, uh, on the stream here? Do you see him making comments? No, I didn't see that, but Hey Milt, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, well, there's a little, Jimmy's getting excited because we got more music coming in. So, uh, but uh, Hey, congratulations uh, guys. And uh, Milt, thanks for watching the show. We got a lot of guys weighing in. Uh, Michael Brown is weighing in about some uh, case law involving, I think, the duty to protect. Now, hopefully it's not the same. Well, I think it's fairly safe to say it's not the same Michael Brown from Ferguson. I Wouldn't you agree, Brad? There's no possible way it could be him because, of course, you know, he would have to be alive, right? Yeah. Pants up. Don't hey, well, hands up, don't shoot. That's right. No, uh, okay. it's, it's pants up, don't loot. I think somebody ah, misunderstood. I know. That. I get him confused, too. I know. I know. Now, oh. we were talking about um, that that duty to protect. And, and certainly I'm not a lawyer, but I have read, uh, this is a couple of decades ago in the DC appellate division, they are uh, a court ruled that the police have no duty to protect an individual. Now it's way more complicated than that, unless there is some relationship form. Like if you hire me, let's say off duty to protect me or whatever, maybe that changes. So the question I think is going to come up is did that, did that officer, by virtue of his position at that school, did that did that make a special relationship? In other words, does, is his duty to protect them any higher or any less than an officer out there working the street? That may be what they're going to hang their hat on. But this surprises a lot of civilians when I tell them the police have no duty to protect you as an individual. 
And there's a difference from what I legally, from what I understand, an individual and an entire class of people as well. Um, now, most of us would do the right thing, Brett, and and that's why you know whether regardless of what Scott Peterson's argument is, the guy's a coward. And and if I was the sheriff of Broward County, you know, I I I tell you what, I I, I would have you know, I know Brett's got a theory about SROs, but this guy this guy was a coward, and he absolutely did the did the wrong thing. Um, but most you know, of the when, I know when, when he when he took that position, he must have known that there was a possibility, slim though it was, that there was going to be an active shooter, right? I mean, where did act where did active shooter come from nowadays? From a high school. I mean, it was it all yeah. changed because of a school, not because of a business. It all changed because of a of a high school. So if he's standing in there thinking it could never happen here, well, guess what, pal? It did, and you failed. Yeah, and and filled uh, sensationally. Yeah, uh, we got a lot of guys in the stream that are that are weighing in on this topic. So it's uh, you know it's really hot right now. So um, wow, everything from this uh, new federal investigation, the federal of the Uvalde, to um, now we've got you know Parkland, you know, involved in this. Wow. So thanks, Brett, for breaking it down. Brett's still an active trainer, guys. He teaches the stuff. He knows it like the back of his hand. So it, it's uh, it, it's really turned out to be a perfect day to talk about this topic. I'm glad that they just released this report so we can, um, you know, give you guys some good spot on information from a law enforcement perspective. So we'll make you guys now among the smartest people in the room. When people bring up this topic, talk about it. Now you guys, now you guys know, um, you know it from a good source. So moving along, let's talk about a couple of stories that have a video component and look, uh, we're going to describe in great detail what's going on so our listeners don't feel like they're missing out on anything. We understand that some people are listening to the show audibly, whether it's podcast or radio. So please stay loyal to that platform, bringing you this good quality content. Uh, we'll describe in great detail so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. But if you still need to see that video, um, you know, this show is live Monday through Friday during the lunch hour. That's 12 to 1 o'clock on Eastern time. But we take this live show and we create a special version of it that comes out the very next day at 9 o'clock in the morning on our Rumble channel. And that version has got all the embedded videos that we end up talking about. It has pictures of the good guys and the bad guys that pop up as we talk about them. It's a neat way to watch the show. So if you've got to see that video the very next day, Tuesday through Saturday at 9 o'clock in the morning on our Rumble channel, which is, you know, at Leo Roundtable, you'll see those pop up. So please check that out. So at Rumble.com, our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter, who's currently on the stream and talking with us right now, the person that runs that channel. We've got Mesa Body Cam. It shows a suspect. He points a cordless drill under a blanket, and it shows him being shot, taste, and beanbagged all at once, Brett. Stop right now. You're not going to stop? Stop right now. David, you need to stop. You need to stop what David, you're doing stop right moving now. around. Go ahead. You take over. David, let me see your hands. Hey, bud. Stop. David. Let me see your hands. You. David continued toward officers and suddenly brought his hands forward, pointing them toward officers. As he went forward toward officers, one officer deployed his taser. Simultaneously, a second officer fired a beanbag round, while a third officer fired his duty weapon. Uh, but, you know, he got his wish because he wanted cops to think that he had a gun and, and, and he succeeded. So this man... Ended up being, he's in the hospital, so he did not die after an officer involved shooting a Mesa on Friday afternoon. So the cops were called to the area for a possible disturbance about 2.30 in the afternoon. So it's the middle of the afternoon. When the officers get there, they speak with the family members who said that there was an argument inside the house between a man who was 27-year-old David Demos and two women. And uh, that he locked himself inside of a shed. 
So a woman said that DeMoss was lighting things inside the shed on fire. So the woman reportedly, she tries to put the fire out by making a hole in the shed and uh, putting a water hose inside. And then she notices that DeMoss um, is also maybe harming himself. So police, they get everyone out of the trailer, including several children who were not involved. Uh, officers then go to the shed to try to get our bad guy, DeMoss, out. And I say bad guy because he's, he's non-compliant. He's not following police you know, command. So DeMoss... He ended up finally coming out of the shed, but he refuses to obey the officer's commands. Thus, he's a bad guy. And he starts making aggressive movements towards them. And he simulates that he has some type of a weapon, you know, underneath his clothing. So during the time, two officers deploy a taser, a beanbag uh, round as well. And they're ineffective. DeMoss keeps going towards the officer. And then one officer shoots him. Well, this all happened within like one second. I mean, it goes down. Boom, boom, boom. He's taken to the hospital with critical injuries, expected to survive. Police say that DeMoss had a cordless drill in one hand and he had a knife in the other, which were both hidden by the shirt, um, by the shirts that were wrapped around his hand. So police couldn't really tell what he had, but they they knew he had something. So he sold it. He sold it pretty good, Brett. Good shot. Um, you know, and, and it's all context. I'm not going to go to Lowe's this afternoon in the drill section and watch a guy pick up a drill and then bust a cap on him. It's all context. They yeah. got a call. He's a problem. He's refused orders. He's acting aggressively. His body movements indicate to a, a, an experienced officer that he might be having a gun. And when he made that final motion, well, he, he got what he deserved. Now, I, I guess this is a theory of shoot the bad guy with whatever's in your hand at the moment. And I don't, that's not a problem, but this was a deadly force encounter. But if a taser is all you got at that split second, then, you know, right on, pull the trigger. But uh, he got what he deserved. He uh, he he wanted to go. He must have known this was going to not end well, and and certainly it did not. Now, Captain, I got a question for you. Let's say you're 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 a cop of a pretty good stature. Let's say you're built like a guy named Milt Deschler that we used to work oh, with. Okay, oh, yeah. you're just a walking stud in uniform, right? Now this guy's got a shirt on. He acts like he's got something, but you can't tell what it is. Now, is it possible? If he would have had a gun, would he have been able to do serious bodily injury or harm to you or have killed you um, if you didn't take action? Oh, most assuredly. Yeah. And if it, if it was Milt on the scene, the last thing the bad guy would have heard was his spine snapping because Milt, no. <laughs> Milt would have snatched him, snatched him right out of the socks. You know, I'm, you're bringing guy. back memory, but I'm trying to wonder if the statute of limitations has run out of that or not for, for in Milt's favor. It's probably expired by now, I would think. So you probably I, can I talk would, about I that. I would say not. I would you're say probably, not. Okay, we, we won't say any more of that subject. No. Milt, you're yeah. safe. We Milt's got your good, back. He was a great so, street uh, cop. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so for citizens, uh, civilians that are listening to this program and stuff, no, you don't have to wait until a bad guy starts shooting at you and taking incoming fire before you use deadly force. And look, if they sell it good enough, as this bad guy did in this case, you're completely justified. And guess what? You don't have to be in fear of, of, of dying or, or, or being killed by the bad guy. You only have to be in fear of serious bodily injury or harm. So completely justified shoot. Well, well um, here in Florida, the statute is you have to have a reasonable belief, not 100% belief. And when you wrap right. it all up and it's all, and it's all CYA, which means can you articulate? If you can put into words a reason. So what do we have? We have we were called to a scene. He's a no person. He's acting aggressive. It's all adding up. And when he made that last motion, when he, when he brought his hand up with, the, with that uh, blanket over his hand, did they have a reasonable belief based on all the circumstances that they were in fear of death or great bodily harm? And the answer is absolutely.
And it's all what a reasonable officer would do in the same exact situation that you were in. So good point. Now, moving along here, we've got another story here that has a video component as well. Same thing. We're describing great detail what's going on. So back at Rumble, our favorite channel, this is Butter. We have a body cam, but now we've got a canine involved in this. It didn't really go down the way uh, I was hoping it would. We may have had like some screaming and stuff, but but there was not really a good bite in this. It was I I I would say this is a missed opportunity, but uh, it, it's a canine. It tracks down a burglary suspect in Dobby's Garden Center. So this is I think where Britain. Uh, a terrified burglar is cornered by a, I put in my notes, a very friendly police dog after he broke into a garden center at night. And if I'm going to break into a place at nighttime, it's probably not going to be the garden center where I'm going to be still in plants and flowers, Brett, just to let you know. But Ricky Homer, um, 36 years old, caught in a police body cam, cowering in the corner of a kid's soft play area after being hunted down by a police dog, canine Vinny. Yeah, not vicious by any means, not by any stretch of the imagination. Look, more of the story in a second, guys. Commercial break, our last commercial break, we'll be right back. All right, you know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition or how much you think that you know, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've actually made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our Captain Brett Bartlett here. Now, they provide citations from federal law, and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar, and you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hawk Studios in Plant City, Florida. Um, you know, we left off talking about a canine tracking down a burglary suspect in a garden center, and he's, he's and now, now he's in some kind of like a children's play area. So, um, so our guy... Homer, and not Homer Simpson, but he breaks into the Dobbles Garden Center, and uh, he's caught on the CCTV um, taking charity tins from the, uh, and he's grabbing charity stuff and filling up, they call it, they're calling it a trolley, so it's definitely England with goods from the shop. So Homer ends up being arrested after he's chased down into the soft play area. Um, he apparently was in timeout, I guess. Uh, Homer was sentenced to a year in prison after previously pleading guilty to burglary and possession of a Class B drug. Yeah, definitely England. You know, the dog, uh, it was a, it, I believe it was a female canine handler and the dog was, uh, Brett was just jumping all over the place and, uh, she was threatening him. Well, she was at, at a high 
she was on high octane, I think, when this incident was going down, yelling commands and stuff. I mean, it was like, I'll let you, I'll let you address that if you want to. But the dog was just bouncing off. It was almost like he was on catnip or something, you know. He didn't sink his teeth into anything. So that's why I said missed opportunity. But Captain Bartlett, break it down. Buddy, you know my thoughts on canines. I love watching these canine dogs biting on a bad guy and, and, the, and, the, and the handler's going, stop resisting, stop resisting. Well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and admit it right now. When, when the, uh, the dog's chowing down on my junk, I'm going to resist. There's nothing you can say to me that's going to make me go, oh, you, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to. Now, I'm hoping that the dog is repelled by the taste of fresh urine because that's what <laughs> he's getting. Okay. And unless he's been trained to overcome that, he's going to have to back on out. But so, I, yeah. I get, I, again, I, you know, when, when I'm being eaten alive by Velociraptor, obeying the commands of a cop is not my number one issue at the moment. I get that. I get that. And, and you know, they're probably, this is the German Shepherd. I think that they might be repelled by the smell of urine. So you might be on with something, Brett. In fact, you know, if, if criminals watching the show, because the bad guys do watch the show, you might have just planted a seed there. We may see more soiling and stuff like that going on during yeah. the uh, and, and if that if the liquid part doesn't work, I have some other, uh, I'll go to plan B. Oh, well, and speaking of that, that reminds me, you know, Milt Detchler apparently has made some phone calls here. I don't know why that reminded me of this, but apparently we got Corporal Mike Hill on now that we used to work with. And, uh, you know, I saw that guy doing dignitary protection. I can't remember which president it was, but he's on his, he's a motor unit. He pulls over, he throws up and he just like gets back on the bike. He's good to go, man. He just, yeah. you know, that guy does not get sick, nothing. Now, if you're no. the Desher dealing with this dude, there may be a different. Oh. They can call. K and I can stay in the car. We'll let Mike Hill and uh, Milt Desher take care of the bad guy. I, I can see Mike Hill sending Mike in. Uh, I'm sending Milton to bite the guy. I can see that happen. Ah, you know, I never thought about that. Yeah. You might, now, you might, you might Mike Hill, him. another great cop, my generation. He's still he's still in the training, so uh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, all right. You got it. You got to love this stuff. So, um, so guys, all good stuff. You know, good stories. Um, you know, Brett. Before we go any further. We have Sergeant George wrote something um, when we were back. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about Uvalde. We're talking about Parkland and stuff. So I just want to correct, you know, he said the difference between a barricaded suspect and an active shooter is the duration of the situation. And and I wanted to clarify that that is absolutely not true. But, Brett, I'll, it, could you it's, just always, it, it's always a consideration. But but we have there's there is there's a clear distinction here. We have a bad guy albeit in a, in a locked room, killing people. There's no other, there are no other uh, um, uh, things to be applied. Yeah, so Time doesn't matter, think, it's, it's underway. Yeah, so if there's a, you know, we have a lot of police leaders, we have sheriffs and chiefs that watch the show and stuff, and, and, and look, the people on the show are really a who's who of law enforcement. So whether it's a, a grunt level officer talking or whether, you know, it, it's a chief, you know, we want them to believe anything that comes out of, out of our mouth. So we don't want anyone to be misinformed or to think that, look, if you've got an active shooter situation, the whole problem with this one is that they improperly move this to a barricaded situation instead of the active shooter. It doesn't matter whether he was, it went on for one hour, two hours or two days, this, you know, this, they this situation, it cried, it cried out for leadership. It cried out. You're right. You have a you have an unclear well to them an unclear situation you know in hindsight it's not unclear at all somebody should have made that call we're not going in or we're going in now if it was me and you and Mike and uh, Milt we'd have, we'd have gone no I I we just would have, have said Milt we would have said Milt in first oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah because yeah. he was uh, you know we yeah Milt Milt would take one for the team I think 
in yeah. a spectacular way. And then, then we would just kind of come in and take care of the what's left over. I got to tell you, though, Milton, I'm right behind you, buddy. Well, not right behind you. I might be, you know, you know, <laughs> 60 meters. I'm, I'm close behind you. Mike, I'm close behind you. I'm, I'm, I can see you from where I'm at. Yeah. I'm close behind you. Well, you know, at lawofficer.com, I, I, I get a call this morning. They've got this article called Law Would Require Students Dressed as Furries to be Removed by Animal Control. So, guys, I mean, can you really make stuff like this up? Now, look at the bottom of the article. There's a plug on the show, and there's a little friendly slam on Lieutenant Randy Sutton from Las Vegas Metro Police Department. But Oklahoma City, dressing up like animal characters has become quite the rage these days in public school, and law officer has heard from more than a few teachers that kids are not only dressing up like cats, but they're carrying stuffed animals throughout the day. So um, lawofficer.com is saying that uh, uh, kids light, uh, lightly, uh, I guess because they're talking about high school kids and stuff, the future leaders of our country are doing this kind of stuff, you know, and there's some concern there. So um, anyhow, it's talking about a new law. Oklahoma Representative Justin Humphrey has an idea to end the distracting behavior. He's filed House Bill 36 or 3084, and it would ban furries from Oklahoma schools. And if they, in order to kick them out of the school or the sporting event they show up at, and they're doing all this hoopla, they can't get hold of the parents, they're going to call Animal Control and, uh, and get them out of there. Animal Control. And uh, and then they pose a question at the end, which I'll cover in a second. But, Brett, are they are they on to something over there in Oklahoma? No, they're not on anything. This is just, right. it's just crap. You know, I guess world hunger, we got that under control. The, the border, we got that. Now we have time to go passing laws talking about kids wearing animal costumes at school. Stop. Now, there's, there's a freeze frame at the bottom of it, and it's got Lieutenant Randy Sutton, retired from Las Vegas Metro Police Department, and they, they got him on a picture of him on our show with a furry critter on his desk. And uh, I don't know if that would apply or not to the statute, or maybe he was doing like a – you know, a an on-site thing from from that state. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if, if Randy shows up dressed as his cat, we have an issue. <laughs> yeah. Thank. All right. So, uh, hey, thanks to the law officer for the exposure. Uh, we uh, we do appreciate it. So, look, moving around uh, along, we've got an ex-California deputy convicted of staging an on-duty shooting of himself. This is on Police One, San Jose, California. Look, this happened uh, in the Tampa Bay area a, a few years back. I don't know if you remember that or not, uh, Brett. A disgraced former Santa Clara uh, Sheriff's Office deputy has been convicted in a bizarre case where authorities said he inexplicably staged a fake on-duty shooting of himself on a remote road near a a reservoir four years ago. The bad thing is is that they called in the Calvary and they did all this investigative, you know, they they spent resources like there's no tomorrow trying to catch bad guys. So its name is um, Sukdeep Gill, 30 years old, pled no contest on Tuesday and the day's preliminary examination was scheduled to start after agreeing to a court offer to reduce the felony vandalism charge to a misdemeanor, according to the Santa Clara District Attorney's Office. And they, in fact, objected to the leniency being offered to him. As part of the court agreement, Gill will have to perform 150 hours of community service, pay unspecified restitution, surrender his policing license, thank God, to the state commission. And uh, the latter requirement means he will be barred from serving as a cop again in California. God help us if he goes to another state. And it goes on to talk about this a little bit more about, you know, how it went down. But the travesty in this is just that the man hours that were involved in this. But I remember it happening in Tampa well, where someone said did. the same thing. It did. Uh, back in 82, 83, one of our guys, he came on the radio screaming. He was shot or assaulted. I can't remember. Man, we were we were yanking people out of cars. And I think it was an international harvester truck is what he had he had brought. If I remember right, Mike could probably tell us more. 
But yeah, all day we're hunting for this. Turns out for whatever reason, I never found out. He faked the assault on himself. I, I don't know why, but he, but he had us all jacked up. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, there, there are crazy, there are crazy reasons why guys do things. It doesn't mean, mean make it right either, but yeah, it, it's crazy. So Brett, I, I know we're kind of, uh, you know, at the bottom of the show. So I'm just going to throw in one extra. I, I went the roll call one day, just as an example. And, uh, one of the cops on my squad had an empty holster, had no gun in this holster. Well, his, his, the girl that he lived with, and I think he had married her, um, she had a criminal history, but she had taken his gun and pawned it for cash, and he didn't he didn't have a gun to come to work with. So, uh, yeah, that that didn't work out too well. And that's where the relationship took a nosedive. Yeah, that that yeah. There's there's more to that story, but that's all I want to get into. Hey, it's been a great show, Captain Brett. Um, and uh, I noticed I haven't seen any cats running around your neck of the woods over there. So I know you just got those little wiener dogs running around. So it's probably not safe for a cat. So I can appreciate that. Hey, uh, we usually take this time to mention the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org. Um, it's a 501c3 started by Lieutenant Randy Sutton, retired from Las Vegas Metro Police Department. They're helping cops out in a world of hurt, suffering from things like PTSD and other issues. So uh, shout out to Randy and the Wounded Blue. Hey, also, Brett, if you want more information about Brett Bartlett, he has Exumbra Defense Solutions at ExumbraDefense.com. He's on LinkedIn. Impressive profile and and, uh, and uh, bio, in case you guys have time to check that out as well. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors again, GallsAUFire.com, Gunlearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, MyMedicare.live. Thanks for supporting the show. Guys, please be loyal to our sponsors. Also, a shout-out to Brian Burns, the free press, TampaFP.com, Red Voice Media, RedVoiceMedia.com. We'll see you guys back tomorrow or Monday at 12 noon Eastern. <laughs>